Hey, Jamie. How's the coffee down there? Well, it's probably a little warmer than up there. How are you doing? Yeah, it is cold. Today was a little was a little warmer today. I was it was a bomb cyclone cold? Like like No. As, well, as we these new meteorological terms. Bomb cyclones. We well, we missed the bomb cyclone that that swung all the way to the east coast. I thought they used to call those things nor'easters. But so. there's probably some other slight variation to the definition to why it's called a bomb cyclone. I, I heard a new one that I shared with my dad and he thought it was pretty funny. He thought I was just making it up and I could have been, but Saskatchewan screamer. <laughs> for the, for the Canadians. I mean, yeah. cause it's like, it's like when a meteorologist goes to a creative writing class and they're like, okay, so bring this back to your broadcast. Yeah, that's it starts to sound more like marketing than meteor meteorology. Yes. But sometimes meteorology Meteor. is more like astrology. Right. Maybe I think I'm thinking that there's maybe something kind of coming off that green screen that's affecting the the brain, but I'm not sure. I think it's in their ridiculously oversized clickers. <laughs> I mean, we can have you can fit a whole lot into like like something the size of a pen, right? And tap it. And they usually have these giant boxes that they are advancing whatever digital slides that they have. From from scientific map to scientific map, which is completely accurate. Anyway, that's I, we're beating up on the meteorologists here. So did your parents get, oh no, not your parents, but anybody that you have back in Canada, Montreal? Not that I'm aware of. Get hit yeah. with I mean, the, the bomb no one, cyclone, Saskatchewan screamer. Yeah, no one, no one has um, raised their hand and said, "Hey." But at the same time, they're sort of, I think, used to that kind of weather. I think from it's always sort of that from the outside you're looking in, and like they're always concerned about us in Texas whenever it's tornado time or mm. or if we get a crazy winter storm. They're more worried about our, I guess, our fragility in those environments. Which... Would they call that a Dallas doomsday? <laughs> no, that's probably just something about the Cowboys. So the Austin anomaly. <laughs> Hurricane alliteration. Is, it, is, it, yeah. is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm being light, but in a serious note regarding comedic comedic comedians jokes making funny. Louis Anderson died this past week. Are you familiar with Louis? I did see that. Yeah. I always liked it. I thought his humor was pretty good. It's a little different. Probably little not different. for everybody. Right. It, it's, I think, the thing that I always appreciate about comedians of that style, and, and not necessarily his style, but I think of a certain style, is that when there's a a shrewd way that they have of putting a lens on their view of the world like very it's i think the term would be astute observations and then and then putting a little bit of a a, a wrinkle or a spin on it that kind of astute observation kind of dialogue or banter i've i've always enjoyed so yeah and it yeah so here's here's to louis cheers cheers so what's in the cup? Oh, nothing actually. 
Just kidding. It's not a. I, oh, I got it. That's bad luck. That's bad luck. You that's don't... not true. I have I have real coffee in there. This is we don't we don't we don't pretend on Coffee Sketch Podcast. No, we don't we don't just go halfway. We go it's all not, the way. It's not props. It's yeah, these aren't props. Are you? <laughs> do you want me to to spit it out on the microphone? It's still. I've still have not exhausted my. My my rotation of Guatemalan, Honduras, and then the little city. So I think right now is some of the Honduras beans, which is near the end. I think actually I just ground up the last of that one. So those two from the the grocery store here in well, it's the town next over, but they they roast they roast there locally so. Is that like the town next over is Detroit? I mean, no, not that, that far. It's okay. Grand Blank, the the suburb of Flint called Grand Blank, which I try not to. It, I, nothing against Grand Blank, but it's but Flint represent. Yeah, yeah I try. I try and uh, keep keep close to keep it local. So, what about you? Actually, I, I got some new little city. I, I tried. A, I tried a new one. And I don't know, I think it might be how I was telling you, they have some seasonal ones that they, they bring in from partners. This one is called Finca Fatima. Mm-hmm. It's from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it has, a, it's supposed to have a peach tone to it. I don't really taste the peach, but it, it's also supposed to, in the description that drew me to it, was it a caramel and nutmeg? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you can really taste that. And so, Sounds yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Sounds only, good. Only just got it. So this is the first batch. So Finca. So what is there a logo? Finca is a farm, right? Or field in Espanol. And Fatima is usually associated with like the Virgin Mary. Right. Right. So is there any graphics or description on the on the back? No. No. <clears throat> no. Oh, it's a cool name though. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I like know what it. they what they drew that from, but yeah, sounds sounds tasty. So, what we what we were thinking of today, right? We were gonna dig into this, go back a little ways because we 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 skipped over this sketch. So let me let me pull it up, and we didn't because we didn't want to miss it. So we it's not that old. It's just just around the the Christmas times a month ago. So anyway, so Jamie has a figure drawing on top of, and I'll just do a little intro of what I see first. But uh, a figure drawing, something that we've seen similar before, figure drawings with these sort of abstracted sort of, well, I wouldn't say backgrounds necessarily because it's interacting with the figure. The figure is kind of sitting on or within this sort of scaled background. But it's kind of this abstract composition of of elements, shapes and and uh, forms. I, I don't know what to, to, to I don't want to I'm trying to stay away from too jargony of a description because i just want to keep it simple but like just, just lean into the jargon it's okay it's okay oh, yeah. if you need to if you need to if that's where is your that head goes. saves 
So, yeah. So, well, anyway, so a lot of sort of randomized, per, perceived randomized shapes, lines, volumes, and forms that, that are kind of scattered around the, the figure drawing, which is much more realist, right? We have an actual sort of human form that you can make out, but then this sort of abstraction or what we used to sometimes call a dystopian landscape, right? Or a right. hybrid, a hybrid landscape of some kind. And uh, I don't know, I always like these because these these sort of random forms always remind me of some early morphosis architecture drawings, not even necessarily buildings, but maybe like the studies or sketches that lead to buildings, like little fragments or components that that kind of find their way into a, a design that morphosis executes into a real into a real building and actually we, we had recently talked about tom main in, in an episode and i there was one other thing that i didn't mention in re-watching some of these old lectures is that that T tom main as the head of morphosis he he mentioned some of his early days and and this lecture that i watched is i don't know six or seven years old so it's not that current and and so he reached back to some of his first projects and and how they didn't have like some of those early projects didn't have the budget to the sort of embellish the the abstract or avant-garde kind of design that he's known for across the entire building so they would do sort of what he either said fragments or just segments of of the building with this with sort of more of the detail and then the rest of the building a little more simply right like simple simpler design and then he even said that like when they built the models so he would only build the <laughs> you could read it this way that he would only build the model of the inter interesting parts of the design the sort of abstract avant-garde stuff and then not build the rest of the building in, in this physical study models. Yeah. That's just over there. That's the, <laughs> that's just the over there part. <laughs> exactly. And then, and so, but then the model, this is then, not the model that you're looking for. Right. Yes. This is not the architecture that you're concerned about the, these Jedi mind tricks. And so yes. Tom main teaches architecture using the Jedi mind trick. Excellent. So back when, so back when the SoCal Southern California school. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I think actually, I think some of that, if you wanted to go down, if I, you let me go down that road, you can see some of that in, in Erico and Moss early career, these sort of gestures within a, a more regular design, or let's say a regular a regular building intervention and then these sort of smaller gestures within that were the more explorative design design spaces but anyway so but just with tom main and so he if before before a lot of digital technology right they built models and models and models physical models and so they photographed these models and and you kind of as a student i remember getting sort of inspired by how they built the model, how they presented the model, 
used it as a tool for presentation as much as analysis or spatial development. So they develop intricate sort of cutaways and things like that. And so almost like he treated the, so for some of his early work, right, that never got built. I mean, he treated the model as his almost final, the completion of the project because the budget would never hit and then it would never get built. So then he had this, this model that represented the, I wouldn't say, he, he wouldn't say the completion of an idea because I don't even think he thinks his finished buildings are complete. Right. But at least a, a sort of snapshot of the arc of an idea in, 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 the, in the physical model or in the finished building. And well, then and so he carried that on to some of the work, sorry. And then he carried that theme on and showed how it manifested into his later work. Well, and I was just going to say, I think that kind of hearing where you were going with it is that I think that that's, that's quite literally what some of these sketches that I do are in that, in that same mindset or vein is that they are an arc of an idea. And so it's not to use jargony terms, but it's accurate is it's, it's juxtaposing a, an image of a figure against a mm. backdrop that is also form-like, whether it's form and plan, elevation, section, larger landscape, environment. And, and, it, and so there's this intersection of the form in the field and that the form itself, when you start to look at the body and sort of figure drawing as an exercise, like we've described on the podcast before, is it is form, shadow, light, line, volume, texture, and weight and gravity, and, and how some of those intersections of, of objects really starts to inform the way we are looking at space and how we inhabit space. And so I take that in this exercise of I'm drawing something that's very, very recognizable as a form. And then there's this level of abstraction of the environment around it. And so that you're the lines of the form of the body start to set the lines of the space around it. So they're, they're both start starting mm -hmm. to interact mm -hmm. with one another. Mm -hmm. And so there's in this particular case, yes, there's some grids of this figure in a field and positive and negative study. But then at the same time, there's some arcing forms that start to get generated out of the body that rests on the page. And then you start to look at the whole page and the, and the boundaries of the page almost as a way to kind of set that environment. And at that point, it becomes a larger composition. And then you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're looking at it in artistic terms, but at the same time, how you're sort of generating, how you're generating that is sort of from the impetus of an idea. It's how do, how do you take a, a figure and put it in a field and put it in an environment that doesn't exist in a photograph? It doesn't exist in real life. It's only coming from the imagination and and, and that's what I think these exercises are, are interesting for both me as a creative, but also intended to be interesting for the viewer so mm -hmm. that you're kind of 
intrigued by the, the nuance of a figure in a field, but then also how some of these forms maybe do get generated and sort of there's a level of introspection for the viewer as well as for the creator in this. And it's, I think this whole idea of, is it intuitive or is it intentional as we draw? And I think in this particular case, it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's being completely transparent and honest about it. It's, it's not just all planned. And we've just, we've described some of it over sketches that kind of where my hand sort of jumps to space in these particular sketches as well, where the form is sort of generated that way of the figure, there is an effort, even as I'm drawing the figure, sometimes I will jump out to the negative space on the page, knowing that I'm going to start to set up some lines based on it. For instance, if you look at the leg that's lower in the picture, mm-hmm. you can see that the thigh, the bottom of the thigh, really aligns with Mm-hmm. That kind of arced form of space that starts to jump out, almost like a, a surface that somebody's sitting on. Mm-hmm. That sort of squiggle gets generated almost first, and then there's then there's an armature of geometry and almost materiality of those boxes that you can almost imagine those as fragments of a building or fragments of space that are sort of hung off of this this thought, this line. And so there's some of that happens as I'm generating the figure, but they're just scratches on the page. And then it's, you go back in and start to develop it mm-hmm. as, as I'm, the first part is a little bit of intuition. And then, the, then after that, going back in is the intention. Yeah. And, and actually uh, there was a word that you mentioned, I, uh, I, and now I forgot, but it was, it, in the in the development of the sketch, you, you said something like it's an exercise. You, you called it an exercise, and I think the idea of treating it like a, a practice or a, a target or starting a drawing that has no necessary target that you're you know calling a finished finished piece, and the 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 juxtaposition, or you said of the human form to the abstract form, I think is. Is kind of like this idea of the known, what we what we know and what we don't know, right? These the realm of the human form, which is a familiar thing, and then the space that interacts or that could be an interaction between. And I think it actually subliminally, who knows? I I do remember Tom Main in a lot of his early stuff, say the smaller scale projects. He mentioned a lot of the things are his. Is, is about the human experience inside of space. So he's maybe even more interested in the interior environment than the exterior environment. Like to him, the exterior, I think, winds up becoming more performance-based as far as energy is concerned. And the interior is about <clears throat> who's the occupant, how many occupant, how many people are in that space. So what's this, what, what size and shape and form, like how does that space manifest after well, studying and, and the user it's 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 the idea of designing in section and yeah. which is probably from the earliest stages of uh design school or design education designing in section that whole just just full stop designing in section is is the one thing that you're trying to transmit to somebody who's unfamiliar with process of the way we work and once you start to 
accept that our work is designing in section, then, and that's where the core of our work is because it's, it's thinking about the human experience or the experience of space. It's at that point, then you can have these tangents of thought where you're you know, talking about efficiencies and new processes and skinning a building or skinning a space from the outside and, and sort of what, what is the emblematic aspects of, of a particular project look like in a, in a larger context. But at the end of the day, it's still about occupying that space, whether interior or exterior and, and how we interact with it. And all that happens in section. And, and when we say section for, for the non-architects listening, it's it's literally understanding that it's, you can't just draw something and plan it out in a plan where this room and this adjacency work. You have to be simultaneously thinking about what it looks like in terms of what's that ceiling doing? How do the walls feel? That relationship of the space, are there steps? What's the movement through that space? How do I move through the space? What do I experience? So it's, it's the connection of perspective, the world in which we live and occupy with the architecture and the structure of it in, in a multitude of drawing forms. And so section really gets, gets to the core of that, where you're, you're literally, and, and there are drawing exercises where you're literally understanding that the building is generated, not just by a plan, not just by a facade and an elevation, but the interaction of those two things. And, and when, when, and that interaction is really where the interesting motivations and discoveries really start to occur. For me, when I'm trying to work through a creative block, I tend to go back to drawings like this because it forces me to both begin with a little bit of a plan, but then let my imagination start to go. And, and lead me into the drawing itself without necessarily an end product in mind. And what hopefully happens, the ones I think that are more successful and, and tend to be the ones that people respond to better are the ones where there's a distinct point in the process of me drawing this. And this drawing, for instance, is only about 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that process, it clicks. And I can start to see where I'm going with the drawing and not necessarily knowing what it's going to look like completely at the end, but I have a really good sense of, of where it's headed and, and when to stop. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, that point in the process takes many, many, many minutes <laughs> to get to where you're getting that comfort level. The, when it takes longer and longer to get there, there's a lot of anxiety of that you're almost trying to work through. So I, I use these as um, a means of that process of discovery. And so when you, you talk about morphosis and the SoCal School of Architects and, and those case studies and things and manifestos and portfolios that we looked at and used as sort of reference points in our own education, yeah, those images of models and multimedia expressions where they were drawing and using collage and all these types of things to kind of get at an idea. You could see, you could see in the work that they were searching for something. And I think that that, for me, that resonated the most Mm -hmm. and, and helped me 
at the time when I needed it, as I was learning about architecture, to believe that I had a place in this process. Yeah. Yeah. That, and because it wasn't, I could learn the history, I could learn the mechanics of it, just like everybody else could. But how was I going to fit into it? Yeah. Which, yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, I think it, it might make a good segue to the the next which actually is a little rarity for us we're not actually going to talk about a jamie sketch but we're going to switch to a a tweet that he or was this yeah twitter jamie retweeted and michael rotundi uh tweet which is so the so so the segue that I was trying to make though is that so if we read Michael Rotundi's quote here, what if our imagination unfolds at the rate our hands move? And and I think your point on finding your own voice or finding the way that you fit into the the design process and or the design well profession of architecture, but through the learning and practicing and sketching and and moving through those 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 motions so it's not just the motions but like how do you think you're thinking with your hand right or the the hand eye the brain connection and so so you tagged me in this last night and then it got me thinking that like in certain cases you know if you flipped the entire question around it i was thinking what if our hands moved at the the rate that our imagination moves. So sometimes I think that it, with me, my I'm thinking through, you know, especially as I progressed from student to to working, you know, professional, as I gained experience and understood development of spaces from plan to section and elevation and so on, as we all uh, continue to learn, I can think in my head, right, of a floor plan if I'm, and then maybe before I even start sketching, then I may start thinking about what I would do to the section, right? In that three-dimensional space in my imagination. And, and then maybe I'll start sketching things. Like if you look at Michael Rotundi's sketches here, right? He's got a variety of different plan section, even diagrams, right? So it's not even a, an actual building per se, but a, a diagram or even a thought of an idea or thought of a building in an idea, right? And so sometimes the hand may not be cooperating <laughs> with what my brain is doing. And so anyway, it just got me, I thought of provoking that reverse question back to you and seeing if, if you could read it Michael's way with the imagination of folding at the, the unfolding at the rate of our hand movement or the ver- the reverse of that. So, well, I think what it is, I think the way I read his proposition as a question was, it's it's that idea of insight and about sharing and revealing a little bit and being transparent about what's going on inside your head in an age where we don't share enough, we don't connect enough with folks, but everybody's on social media and things like that to connect with people. Yeah, and to connect, I think this kind of quote in my mind goes to the heart of some of that is, is the act of drawing or a creative process and revealing that, is that 
giving a little insight into your own imagination. And I would agree. I, I would say that that's that that through line of thought makes sense. But I like your proposition of turning the question on its head and saying, is our is our own imagination limited by the speed at which our hands move? It can 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 the expression of our thoughts in either words or actions or activity limit in a sense the thoughts that are in our head and and like you were just describing your processes that you think about a proposition or a problem as a designer and start to come up with ideas and then at a moment as these are starting to formulate and crystallize maybe not end solutions but crystallize then it then you try and sketch and and what you didn't say but is very true about myself and probably yourself as well is that you get frustrated because the idea in your head at some level is difficult to communicate. You're not able to, how many times have you said, I can't get it down on the page. I can't get my thoughts out. I can't describe it well enough. I can't draw it well enough. And what as a creative, what I've, and as a, somebody who's taught and who mentors and, you know, and, and works with others in a collaborative environment, what I've always said is just get the ideas out, keep going. Even if, even if they're not perfect, even if they're, even if they're messy, even if they're not right, they're not representing exactly what you're thinking, get them down on the page and, and keep going. And, and that's, and that's a difficult thing to do. Because at that point, there's this fear of failure and, and you're you know, almost self-assessing yourself. And I, I've, I've shared with you when I have my creative blocks, it's very difficult for me to get things out on the page. And, and, and I'm very critical of that, self-critical of that. But I have to remind myself, and I, I, that's why I sort of, I think I appreciated this quote and, and this discussion is that it's a reminder that as a creative, one who draws even, is that I have to draw like it's that I just have to do it. Even if it's the only way out is through, right? The only way out is through exactly. And, and that it's not, they're not always going to be the best ideas. They're not, you're not always going to find the solution very quickly, but by trusting yourself and believing and then having a little bit of self-belief in that, there's there's something to be said for leaning into your own process and your own skills and who you are and sharing it and 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 getting a little bit of feedback not for ego's sake but sharing it to see if is this resonating with people or or sharing it with a design colleague and saying this is kind of what I'm thinking and it's a communic- it's at that point you're having a, a conversation about design and that conversation with somebody, as you even describe your own work, you start to realize the things that you didn't get down on the page. Yeah. And, and there's, and accepting that the drawing itself isn't sacred. It's part of the process is, is, is a really, it's a valuable lesson that is not, not to say that it comes you have to be old to get it. It's just that you have to mature yourself as a designer and, and be a bit vulnerable. So I, I think that there's, I, I liked this just because it's sort of, it's a loaded question. I don't think, and it's, I don't think it's 
completely indicative of of reality. Well, there's, there's no, there, I don't think there's a metric that you could. <laughs> right. There's no data point. But the, I think one one thing I, I never, I wonder if you ever heard this anecdote. And I think we can we can wrap up after pretty quickly here. I'll let you have the last word, which is always best. Just let <laughs> Jamie have the last word. But but just one other thought to to provoke the conversation was. So since I studied in, in, in Los Angeles, I had a couple of faculty that worked for Michael Rotundi, and then I had a classmate that wound up working for him, and I heard that at his office, he has like the conference table or his sort of community, he has this giant table, and on one end is, uh, it's bolted to the end of the table, a, a roll of trace, and he, they, they grab it. Yeah. And they, they drag it out all over the table and everybody sitting around the table draws collaboratively, right? They work together. I mean, this is, and nowadays we talk about collaborative, this and collaborative, it's such a collaborative format, but this is 20 years ago and probably even more than 20 years because that I learned that when I was approaching the end of my schooling, 20 20 20 years ago and and so he'd probably been doing it his whole you know ever since he established his office and so I, the idea that like there was no hierarchy of like lead designer to you know intern or whatever but everybody who had the ability to think and a pen or a pencil could contribute to the development of the process and and so and also like like you were saying if you hit a block it, it was right there in front of everybody that could maybe help you push through those sorts of things. So you knew about that as you were, because you already yeah. knew, because you're cranking, like you're doing this crank motion, which that's what one of the faculty that I had is this, yeah, he, he told me that and he would, he demonstrated is like, yeah, we just keep cranking the, the trace. And it would, I mean, could you imagine, I hope I, I would imagine he's archived all those roles, but what that would look like if you that would that would be that's that's a mental image that i think is is one to leave everybody with because i think that would be kind of interesting it's i mean how many times have you seen people take pictures of their sketches namely myself and others or their pile of sketchbooks and for this it's 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 completely something wholly different that is I think there's there's something beautiful about just all of those drawings because it's it's not just the drawings. It's like you're saying, it's the conversations, it's the thoughts. And going full circle to when you were talking about Tom Main and these fully realized or half realized ideas in a model, whether it ends up being built or not, it's the expression of an idea and and the exploration of it that I think is really part of that process. And being able to talk about it and get closer to describing it is something that is valuable for anybody as a creative. And hopefully uh, some of this conversation helps people think about it maybe a little different. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>